Hi, this is Maria of realpyramidtext.com. Today we're talking about ancient cosmology. We often hear that the reality we're familiar with and its nature and physics began with a Big Bang. At realpyramidtext.com we refer to that reality that we're familiar with by the term solar plane. Consider though, if that Big Bang that produces reality simply could have started itself as some think it did from inert material simply on its own evolving and from that inert material produce consciousness. Or, instead, and, and this is our stance, consider that another reality dimension produced the Big Bang and this solar plane. By another dimension is meant a realm. Um, well, that means, though, that this reality did not simply produce itself. And so, if we continue with that possibility that a realm produced this reality, then what would be the consequences of that, uh, that a realm created the solar plane? Because a problem is that once we accept that a realm created the solar plane, then we also need to ask, well, which realm? And we'll get to that problem since there are two realms that we want to talk about. Um, and each of those two realms is capable of creating a reality. Understanding then, that then, what sort of reality would create um, the type of realm in nature of this solar plane? So we're going to follow through some time frames, but remembering that as, that as we do that, that there are two realities and two realms, not only the one we're familiar with, of the solar plane that we're going to talk about next. Our point is that a realm began and that this realm started to fabricate a type of evolving reality that suited its own dualistic nature. All of this happening approximately 14 billion years ago, possibly with the Big Bang. Um, and having a type of um, evolving reality in nature similar uh, as the current revolving picture of reality that we're already used to and is taught often at a young age at schools as the only reality. From what we have learned at realpyramidtext.com of this nature and of that realm, the solar plane reality is a realm of dualism represented um, by the Tao's symbol which you may have seen, that yin-yang image, which is familiar. And the dualism realm has a revolving nature, much as you can see in the, the image of a snake turning upon itself and eating its tail. This evolution dimension that we're used to um, being a creation of a dualistic type consciousness, um, a realm that has produced our revolving type of reality. So the thought line is, and we're beginning, say, 14 billion years ago, that this dualism realm established a land in the southeast. And that is when space as we know it is said to have started. 
and that after that Big Bang, at some point in those billions of years, they began an Earth. But um, we have to see what Earth is meant, okay? Because, and we have to see what we mean by the term land. The Egyptian spells use a number of type lands, um, and all of these are referred to differently in the hieroglyphs. That is, they're not all referring to this earth that we are used to. Uh, compare uh, what I said in the previous blog talk about translations, that previous translations before uh, realpyramidtext.com did not take that into account. The possibility of a number of types of lands, and they missed then the point of the realms that the hieroglyphs describe, as I said, the possibility um, of another realm, not just this material one we know, and that this happens because meanings get taken to be what makes sense to the modern mindset without sensitivity to the ancients and the nuance that they give about different types of lands. In this context, the glyphs use terms such as fields, islands floating in the dimension, about these islands, you can see Plato's Phaedo. Um, and the glyphs refer to land alike Adam, land of Saturn, and so they're describing different areas. We can say more soon, but for now, the start of that Earth, considered to be about four billion years ago, with its dinosaurs, apes, and humanoids, and that these were as um, their biological experiment on that Earth. Um, being a planet in the sky above their land. And here I'm mentioning again, as I did in the last blog talk, the Watchers. So let us say that this was a, some sort of proto-Earth of those Watchers that the, uh, that the Egyptian hieroglyphs refer to as Akiro gods. And those who lived upon that land were the ones that started life of the type that we have in this solar plane um, on that planet, but that something happened. There are many sites, good ones, um, that investigate the history of the Earth, cosmological changes, such as thunderbolts.info. Um, and in relation to this about the lands and what I mean by lands and Earth and the massive change that happened upon them in ancient times. Velikovsky was the pioneer in taking events which the different religions describe and then comparing them to archaeological and geological finds. And what he learned is that this earth is not exactly what we may think. And that once uh, there was an earth related to Saturn as a moon from her, um, Saturn being part of a double star binary system, hence we suggest not even this land we're upon right now um, being the one uh, mentioned in those texts. We here at realpyramidtext.com want to keep all these types of possibilities open. The breaking point for us is that there appears to be another type of reality and not simply space and the solar plane as we know them. As I suggested, the reality of space in the solar plane um, is not the only one. And that there's another reality which is not based upon revolving or the, or the evolution um, type Earth. 
um, that we see in the mechanics of the solar plane and all of its outer space, also dubbed the material universe. However, our taking that stance has several consequences because right away there are argument lines you may have heard um, opposing views as to um, what this earth we live on is, where it came from, and the nature of what can be conceived of as another realm. We don't subscribe to that so-called creationist view that some Christians have that say that this earth is relatively young because simply the archaeological finds everywhere show very differently and refute that view. That entire context of a relatively young earth is off. Another view often put forth, as I said before, is of an of evolution happening, um, and often it is said that it happened by itself. This would be a smart find, except it covers up serious problems under a scientific veil. Our point is that neither of these two versions of reality account for the possibility of another realm, but merely give versions of this solar plane as the only reality existing. Um, even the creationist version thinks that this earth is the only one and that this reality is the only one. And that's a problem because it forgets the nuance described in ancient texts, such as the Egyptian reference I made concerning the glyphs about the many types of land, showing that um, the lands a text, text describes are not this one necessarily, but there are that there are different types of land. Um, we do need to take into account another type of reality unlike this one. Um, having other laws, uh, laws that are not as those of the solar plane, um, and that our revolving reality exists parallel with another dimension. And not only that, that the other dimension interferes with ours and assumingly even created this one. But first, before talking about another dimension interfering with ours, I want to talk about the massive changes that happened upon the proto-Earth I've described. For some, all this may be too flabbergasting. But consider, it is not too strange to imagine that this evolution was started and enhanced by another dimension, a realm being involved in such experimenting, such as the making of humanoids, or the evolution of different types of things, such as dinosaurs. Especially when today's science is capable of transforming many similar themes, itself having projects to alter traits and produce chimeras, why then would we be the only ones uh, to be able to do such things, to create biology experiments? And from where uh, do those ideas come from for us to even do those types of things? Consider that over a course of millions of years, the Earth described, evolved, and a series of dinosaurs came along, then mammals, and finally humanoid apes. Yet, over those millions of years, there was not much improvement in these. Um, and that um, this tinkering that the realm was doing 
um, in biology failed. That after hundreds of thousands of years of mammals and later humanoids, there was not significant progress until around 10,000 BC when we have massive changes and a sudden destruction of that evolving Earth. Um, and there's much evidence of this. The ancients saw a different sky before these massive changes and understood the world as very different than the one we see now and understood that there was some massive change that happened at the end of a geological period called the Younger Dryas and that this had profound cosmological effects. Plato's Atlantis text says something very similar that there were beings um, in a land south, as we said, relating to the hieroglyphs, and which the Hebrew scripture call these beings watchers, and that they did biological experiments, creating uh, beings of their type dimension, um, demigods that were part god, part humanoid. Uh, Velikovsky wrote that there were Pelagians, uh, half-giants, half who occupied a place known as Arcadia in early times, before there was a moon in the sky. So those Pelagians consider to be belonging to a different cosmology and having a different sky as ours, um, and being similar to those types described at Troy and the Iliad and the Odyssey, the heroes of old that are mentioned by Homer there um, and others, um, in ancient texts. But in the Atlantis text, we see uh, that the experiment failed. And Plato says the creations they made were dumb. The hieroglyphs show that too, uh, that these beings could not worship their gods. And the experiment to make these apes failed. And then that after that, Atlantis itself is destroyed. Um, this is what I mentioned before, that Younger Dryas event. Uh, we know from geological records of cataclysms that happened at the end of the Younger Dryas Ice Age. Um, the Younger Dryas is the geological age before our current geological age, our current one being the Holocene. Included in this podcast, there's a slideshow and you'll be able to find um, a chart of the Dryas event. But there's much data of the event uh, at Dryas. You can imagine the many cataclysmic events, and you can go find them. We know that there were sudden extinctions, um, and in our context of ancient cosmology, how very interesting that the Dryas cataclysms happen at the same time Plato says Atlantis was destroyed, a time right after which we get the start of biblical and recorded history at around 10,000 BC. These ancient changes that the ancients describe and the things I've said so far may appear beyond what the modern consciousness can understand or maybe even wants to because to the modern mind all the involved events now appear as myth such that even to speak of them will seem silly to some but consider that there's truth to what ancients recorded concerning what they saw. And then, in that case, what are the consequences of that? The ancients tell that the changes were massive. 
Um, just one example, in a lecture given at a college before he died, Velikovsky notes that ancient Babylonians gave different numbers for lengths of days and orbits and their positions than we do today. Over and over again, they did this. And Velikovsky asked, well, is it possible that such astute mathematicians on these measurements over and over again were wrong, yet that those same Babylonians have given us the most accurate trigonometry tables in existence? Yet their numbers do not match the cosmology we now, now live within, the space and stars we see being a different sky? The point is that sudden massive changes happened and were described by the ancients who tell how the sky appeared before and how it appeared after. And so the numbers are not wrong. Velikovsky found geological and astronomical data that correlated with the massive changes and that show the changes in cosmology um, that the Babylonians uh, give and we can find that these descriptions are also in Egyptian hieroglyphs and Hebrew scripture and Vedic texts such as the Ramayana and the Rig Veda and that uh, there's a correlation that each of us can go and study and learn about to see what these changes were. Um, but what were these massive changes if we consider this next point? That another realm interfered with that evolving type of reality. Because not only um, did their evolution experiment fail, but what the driest event shows is that their solar plane reality underwent a massive upheaval. Um, Hebrew, Hebrew scripture shows at Job 38 that their solar plane got turned inside out and its peoples were scattered. These events can be found, we can see them in archaeological finds and in manuscripts, and they're part of the recorded history. Velikovsky and colleagues in the mid-1900s found very old anomalies related to this massive change, such as uh, flash-frozen dinosaurs. Um, you can see Velikovsky's book Earth in Upheaval and his other works, um, and in there he describes fossils that 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 demonstrate uh, sudden changes and that that were catastrophic, such as the encasing in ice of huge elephants and the perfect preservation of their flesh, showing that the cold finally became so suddenly extreme that in a single winter's night um, they were frozen, and in their stomachs and between their teeth of these mammoths were found still undigested food such as of plants and grasses that don't even grow in northern Siberia, but rather they were from southern Siberia, a long way from the existing deposits of ivory. And then in Italy, another colleague, um, Buckland, wrote of schools of fossil fish that perished suddenly, their skeletons entombed before decomposition of their soft parts took place, traces of color still on their skin, their bodies intact, only having been flash-frozen. Please forget for a moment this earth and consider how reality of that other dimension that we mentioned could be like. And imagine an endless land south of this earth and that it had mountain ranges and one very prominent mountain 
this land being at the center of a dualistic realm, having a dimension beneath it and a dimension above it. The dimension south of that land was feminine and north was masculine, both as the antipodes of that dualistic realm. This land is if suspended within that dimension and if possible, that what we see now as outer space is the sky above this land. I want to talk now more about this dualism except show how scripture understands it and the massive changes and who were those scattered people. I talked about this land before Eden um, and before this solar plane which the Egyptian glyphs tell of, and mentioned the Tao, the dualistic realm still being visible in the Tao symbol, and its nature being the dualistic nature of a class of beings which scripture mentions as watchers, and the glyphs refer to as Akiro gods. The Sumerians portray them as snakes, and the Rig Veda as Indra, Saturn, etc. Ancient texts often personalize certain cosmological concepts. Hebrew scripture, for example, portrays this dualistic realm as two monsters, Leviathan and Behemoth, uh, as a Hebrew Bama beast. Um, Behemoth is the masculine as northern half, and Leviathan, the dualistic feminine side in the deep south. In the previous um, blog talk broadcast, we introduced this, that they formed the world tree. Um, and it's in this reference of how their realm is, of Leviathan and Behemoth. Job 37, uh, 38, uh, give the most incredible lines that God intervened in the situation of their land south, apparently because things became very degenerated within their dualistic realm. And even their own texts say that. In Job, the lines say that God turned their land south inside out dimensionally, thereby scattering the sinners off of it. The text calls this land Rahab, this often translated as some sea monster. Um, but in fact, this is a description of that evil land in the south, the same land existing before Eden intervened uh, in those millions of years that I was describing. Job, t Job tells that the dimension of dualism are being separated from each other. Ponder how after that um, duality realm of evolution that I talked about, um, that God is separating um, the dimensions of dualism from each other. And think how a new region came in between in the Tao symbol and was secured by a gate in the south and a gate in the north. And in the now and now within the region, um, the land of Eden was created there in between that Tao symbol. In scripture, this theme returns in Genesis 1, where the separation of the waters is about the separation of the Tao realm. The darkness, which now becomes light, is the dark nature of the former Tao realm now becoming enlightened by the light of Eden. And this light expels the darkness of the Tao realm as if proceeding into it and cleansing it. You can imagine the sheer hatred of all the beings who belonged to that dualistic realm for everything that was Eden. The story of the tree of good and evil and the tree of life depicts exactly the choice 
between the dualistic realm and Eden. But this is for later. Yet it is not hard to see um, that the serpent that came by Eve and tempted her is the serpent depicted in Sumerian statuettes, those same watchers. Velikovsky tells of this time before they built atop Eden um, that at Job 25.5 it tells of before there was a moon and when it did not shine and Psalm 72.5 thou was feared since the time of the sun and before the time of the moon. We need to mention it because the beings uh, that I'm talking about succeeded to make Eden to fall. And from that moment, the previously separated Tao realm started to connect. The two sides of duality started to connect to each other again. Uh, the Sumerian tablets tell how their hero Ninurta destroyed Eden, Eden being Tiamat, and that that destruction was accompanied by huge plasma storms, for lack of a better term and that Ninurta blew an evil wind into Tiamat's belly. This is very coherent with how Job describes the North Gate being installed, and the spells frequently talk about this North Gate as access to their behemoth realm in the North, and the North wind bringing to them the air of life, which is the breath air of Eden that they now took from Eden that they had conquered. Henoch mentions the same and it reads how an agent um, of as the masculine realm um, will merge again with its counterpart as their feminine realm, which is exactly the same as that Tao locking together again. The situation is that now we have a mixed region as Eden and dualistic realm um, after the fall, and that many types of strange humanoids and half-humanoids start to appear who were a mixture of aspects from the Eden realm and the dualistic realm um, such as giants of several meters high and men with animal features um, uh, being half bull or half hawks. The spells mention spirits of 9.5 cubits as almost being five yards high. After the fall from the garden, uh, the sky changed too. Uh, Velikovsky says the celestial illumination ceased. The sky man used to see never appeared before him again. The firmament was no longer the same as the heavens of the first day. And so, after the fall, we get the deluge at 8000 BC. And we can see recounted in hieroglyphs and in Vedic texts too, how these watchers uh, started to make a new construct, uh, a construct that includes our current earth. And they began building their new land upon Eden, on top of and above Eden. And at the same time, they made this earth the one we live upon because they wanted to get back that pre-Eden situation. And so there was a pivotal change. Something happened around that time. First cities um, began to appear after that at Kalahuyuk, for example, around 9500 BC. Um, and only then um, did we get recorded history. Um, art, writing, etc. The problem was that now there was an eagle, illegal mixture um, of the nature of both realms going on since the fall. 
um, from the garden. According to the Book of Jubilees, this post-Eden situation remained for some 16 to 1700 years, and then all those beings destroyed each other. Yet one Adamite man, together with his family, escaped during a deluge. And when the deluge had ended, this man found himself upon this earth within this solar plane that we know. If we add the time frames up together, um, we should be able to see that Eden, oh, Eden being established around 10,000 BC, um, the, the younger Dryas. It took us at realpyramidtext.com a long time before we understood uh, the concept of constructs, dimensional constructs, uh, unfamiliar as we are with them living in this rotating environment of this earth, where the so-called laws of nature are derived from the coiling serpent nature. But if you remember um, that outstretched land south of earth I mentioned, that it required a construct in order to make the land of Eden above that land. And a construct was made, which is represented in the lampstand, which was part of the old Hebrew tabernacle. This pole stood upon the south land and carried the Eden gardens in its top. For us used to um, circling planets and star systems seemingly suspended in midair, it is bizarre to consider concepts like these. Yet the very same constructs uh, returns over and over again in spells, uh, such as a boat standing upon poles. And then again in the Scandinavian and Old Germanic myths as the world tree, and then in the Vedic Mahabharata as forests. In fact, all the ancient texts are loaded with constructs, often personified or described as utensils. But the meaning is included in the very context, such as staff as dimensional axis, or ungent as a dimensional quality, or robe as a dimensional veil, etc. Especially Hebrew scripture and the Vedic Rigveda, um, they use names of certain personages, um, and these names being inclusive of a certain concept. Um, but then in that case, the text requires that it be read in relation to that concept. Hebrew scripture mentions the four horns in the book of Daniel, which grew to the four winds of heavens. And if you consider the Vedic cosmology depiction of the four elephants standing upon the turtle, um, then the link cannot be coincidence. In, in hieroglyphs, the elephant is ab, A-B, meaning horn, ivory, elephant. And then the derivation from that of Ab too depicts a region, namely the region between Eden South and their land in top of their world tree. This middle region is the same as the Sumerian Absu, the region where Enki went into, as seen in the famous boss relief. Henoch mentions similar, that the fallen watcher Azazel um, is to be thrown into Dujael, translated as God's cauldron, and in the spell, the spells, the cauldron glyph uh, often follows after the AB, the AB. To compare the names and attributes of the different ancient texts then, um, we're able to reconstruct certain concepts by looking at the names of different things. And it doesn't end there. When the spells mention the four horns and that they grew, this being the glyph Rud, then the book of Daniel isn't simply talking about a myth. Remember, these horns are part of the world tree. 
Um, and it's something as if they're holding in their midst the land um, in top of the world tree, such as if you were to hold a coin in the half-opened palm of your hand. One of the coffin texts mentions uh, earth at the tip of that western horn. Um, that can be compared against the world tree picture that I'm including in the slideshow with this um, broadcast. Just as Eden was built at the center of their Tao realm, the problem now was that Eden had fallen and that they had started to construct their new land in turn above Eden. This is best visible in the Karnak Temple of Horus. Um, and and th that temple is depicting upon the earth as a mirror exactly what was going on as a cosmological construct east of earth. The temple is built at the north-south axis um, and it's very precise but one degree off. The pillars in the south half of the temple depict the lampstand construct of Eden. Um, and this for them, those watchers, is important insofar as they now stand upon that construct in order to build atop of it. And they ritualized this fact in their ancient processions that were performed at this temple, where in the middle section of the temple, a statue of Horus was first presented with fruits and produce depicting Eden's qualities, which Horus had conquered. And then the statue was carried to the roof of the temple, symbolically standing now upon Eden. Um, this being, remember, um, that the temple, remember the, ta the tabernacle, um, that we see in Hebrew scripture. The north half of the Horus Temple has many rooms, um, half dark uh, and containing a boat in one of them, the same boat as we saw depicted as standing upon their world tree. Um, and the light that reaches that boat is coming through the open doors um, from the south side of the temple, depicting the dualistic feminine which reaches their boat construct, now situated above Eden. So we can compare this um, world tree um, to the Leviathan and Behemoth constructs that Hebrew scripture talks about in the picture I have in the slideshow of Leviathan and Behemoth. The nature of Karnak was Horus's dry place, Horus Behen, he was carried to the top of the temple because the waters had receded and land appeared, and it was the first dry place, according to the Edfu text, and compare this to the deluge, um, the, the dry land afterwards. According to the Edfu text, Edfu being Karnak, um, and this showing how where previously Eden became the dry place, when God, having separated the dualistic realm um, and putting Eden in between, in the center, uh, now, in turn, Edfu became their dry place when the Eden dimension receded. So Eden had been interfering, right? And that was the driest event, 10,000 BC. But after Eden fell was their completion of their solar plane, uh, which is represented by the glyph Hev, completion of the solar plane. And when Marduk installed the zodiac, that being around 8,000 
BC, then we see the Nindera zodiacal temples starting. Now, um, with the pimped-up Eden qualities that were stolen, the Watchers could make their apes smart and produce a kind of pimped-up evolution Earth um, within the solar plane. And indeed, those same apes, the Sumerian tablets tell, had asked their gods, please make them bodies from those two, Adam and Eve. So now, uh, after... Um, Eden fell, they were able to continue their biological project and compare this one to the one they had started before, except for now their evolution project was a mixed one because they not only had those previous animalistic pre-Eden humanoid constructs to work with, but they had atomized souls whom they imprisoned into that previously created ape-type blueprint. So now what we see is their realm and God's realm mixed together in a grotesque reality. And the hieroglyphs describe with glee this mixing together. The hieroglyphs tell of how they're happy that things went back to the olden situation. The spells want to have the pre-Eden situation back. Um, they don't say how that uh, pre-Eden situation was like, but we can reconstruct it was that Tao realm I've been talking about. And we can distill from that at least some concepts of how that was. Thank you for listening. I'm Maria of realpyramidtext.com.